Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, world. My name is Reverend Adrian L. Robinson II, a.k.a. Rev. Rob, a.k.a. Pastor Rob, a.k.a. whatever you want to call me. But this is Deeper in the Word, the show where we give you the real about Scripture with people who actually know and understand it so that you can get a better grasp of what certain things in the Bible mean and how they relate to your life and experience and how you can apply something that was written so long ago to what you are going through right now. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fun-filled, fantabulous episode of this little old podcast that we like to call here Deeper in the Word. Thank you so much for joining us. We are always so appreciative to everyone listening all around the world. Please believe me, we do not take your listenership for granted. We are very grateful and thankful for everyone that listens to this show. And so we want to get right to it, y'all. Now, I do want to say that we are in episode eight of season five, our 108th episode. We've had some incredible guests so far. Encourage y'all to go back and listen to the first seven episodes of this show, four of which I believe have guests, incredible guests, talk about some incredible things. Um, So go check those out. But man, we got some amazing guests yet to come, y'all. Like we're just getting started. When I tell y'all that this season is lit, please believe me. But let's get to today because today you just got a little on me, all right? And today's episode is entitled The Million Dollar Question. The Million Dollar Question. And there's a scripture passage that's going to guide our conversation today, y'all. It's taken out of the book of Acts, arguably my favorite book of the Bible. <clears throat> Chapter 16, verses 25 to 34. I'm going to read this from the English Standard Version. You know, I normally read from the NLT. We'll read this from the ESV today. And the word the Lord reads as follows. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed all their wounds. And he was baptized at once, and he he and all his family baptized at once, he and all his family. 
Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. You know, y'all, back in the uh, in the 1950s, I think uh, 55 to 58 to be exact, there used to be this TV game show called The $64,000 Question. And on this show, the contestants answered general knowledge questions and they'd earn money that would double in amount you know, as the questions became more difficult. So round one, and then round two, the questions would be harder to get more money and so on. And so the final question would have a top prize of $64,000. Of course, that's why the show was called the $64,000 question. Because let's keep it real. That don't seem like a lot of money now, but in 1955, 56, 78, $64,000 was a lot of money, okay? Point being, the goal on this show was always to get to the final question because that was the most important question. Yeah, you answer the questions in rounds one and two and whatever. Your goal is to get to the $64,000 question so you can answer that and get the loop. Friends, much like that 1950s TV show, life as we know it today is filled with a lot of important questions that need answering. And there's a lot of important questions are being asked throughout our entire planet today. A lot of communities are asking, can everybody finally get along with each other? Our nation is asking, can we ever truly have gun control? And, and have harmony in this country. The whole world is asking, will there be another pandemic? But see, while everybody's asking all these questions, nobody's asking the most important question of all. When everybody's looking around and seeing the state of the world and how jacked up things are and a clear indication that these are the end times And the depravity of man is at an all-time high. And you see real life being worse than any movie because of how bad and trifling and sinful and wicked people are. People are not asking the right question. And that's the question that we'll call the million-dollar question. And by popular culture definition, because we talk about the $64,000 question. That was a show. Now we're talking about the million dollar question. You went up a whole lot of money, uh, Rev Rob. You just went up $940,000 almost. So the million dollar question, it's a very popular phrase in our culture. And that's precisely what we see in our text tonight, y'all. The text tells us about how Paul and Silas were locked up and there was this sinful jailer, this pagan jailer, who asked them the million dollar question. Or rather, he asked them what is arguably the most important question that can ever be asked in your life and in the history 
of humanity. Look at it again in the text. The jailer says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And again, think about it. How bad the world is. The fact that it's going to hell in a handbasket faster than people can imagine. Shouldn't you want to embrace the ways of the Lord? That's why more than your money, which you can't take with you, and your stature and your power, and all those things that you can't take with you to hell, the question you should be asking, we should all be asking, is what must I do to be saved? So I don't have to burn. And when you really examine these verses, by the way, if you don't know what I mean by I don't have to burn, that means burn in hell. That means burned by the fire of judgment that's sure to come because the Bible told us that last time when God destroyed the earth, it was by a flood. Next time it'll be by fire and he'll use the help the heavenly elements. Read your Bible. So when you really look at these verses, you'll see that there's some other great, uh, great questions that this jailer could have asked instead. I mean, he could have just easily said, uh, how did y'all get these prison doors open? He could have run in there and been like, after Paul said, we're all here, don't kill yourself. He could have been like, why didn't you try to escape? Or he could have said out loud, man, who am I going to blame for this? Because I'm about to get in trouble. Instead, he asked a question that gets to the heart of his problem as a person. And therefore, to the heart of the problem of every person in the human race on, and on face of the earth alive right now. What must I do to be saved? What do you need to do to have peace and tranquility and salvation and not be judged? And that's what we're going to not be judged uh, uh, to go to hell, I should say. So that's what we're going to do today, y'all. We want to examine that question. And as we do, I want you to ask that question within your own hearts. And just for the duration of our time together, I want y'all to stop asking questions about all the things that are happening in your life, all the material things, all the logistic things. Forget all that for a second. Instead, ask yourself the million dollar question if you never have before. And that's, what must I do to be saved? And our scripture passage tonight, taken from the book of Acts, Chapter 16, verses 25 to 34. It gives the answer to this question. <clears throat> so we're going to look at it. We're going to see three elements related to answering this question and addressing this question about what must we do to be saved? Because that's the million dollar question. So here's the first thing we're going to see. Oh, wait, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Because you're going to have to wait and find out what that is after we come back from the break, my friends. Stick around. (laughs) 
Hey, hey, what's good? It's your man's Pastor Rob inviting you to join us live for our weekly online church services every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. All you got to do is go to www.benevolentfaithministries.online.church. It'll take you directly to the live worship session. If you get there a bit early before service starts, stay and enjoy the fellowship with us and others through our chat system. You can even participate live and chat with our hosts and others during and throughout the service, as well as take notes, download the sermon notes, and request prayer or even join Benevolent Faith Ministries itself. Remember, you can log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church every Tuesday night, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, 4 Pacific, and we can't wait for you to worship with us. Benevolent Faith Ministries, a virtual church with a real heart for God. Hey, y'all, check out the best faith-based radio station in the world, BMC Radio, where we're reaching the unreachable. BMC Radio promotes a wide variety of gospel, dance mix, and old-school music to go along with a healthy mix of faith-based messages and talk shows geared towards strengthening your daily walk with Christ. We're committed to providing our growing global audience with well-rounded programming that promotes the gospel while also invoking fresh new approaches to what 21st century evangelism is truly about. Just go to www.bmcchristianradio.com to listen live every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can have your own show and advertise your business on BMC Radio for absolutely free, free, free. And as I always like to say, who doesn't love something that costs free 99 Again, simply go to www.bmcchristianradio.com and click on the menu for more information. We invite you to join us every day at BMC Radio, where we're reaching the unreachable. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. Deeper, deeper. Listen, as a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, on Apple Podcasts in the iTunes Store, on iHeartRadio, on Amazon Music, on BMC Radio, on BMC Radio On Demand, and on the Audible app. Shout out to all the platform providers. Also, don't forget to email us at info at benevolentfaithministries.org to send us your questions and comments for the show. What are we, what are we, mind readers over here? Are we supposed to know what you want to talk about? No, seriously, we, we want to hear from you. We want to know what y'all want to talk about. We want to talk about what y'all want to talk about, okay? And remember, we want you to join us every Tuesday night, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, 4 Pacific, for our online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church and create a screen nickname so you can chat along with us during the service. We have a lot of fun Tuesday night. Come on out. Amen. But today, y'all, today's show is entitled The Million Dollar Question. 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 I'm doing my own sound effects now. (laughs) And we're discussing the story of Paul and Silas in jail. 
in the book of Acts and how the Lord miraculously freed them from that bondage and in the process, how the Roman jailer himself was so amazed by all of this that he instantly asked the million dollar question, which was, what must I do to be saved? And we're looking at three elements to this question. What must I do to be saved? Here's the first element. And that's the reason. What's the reason for this question? So why did the jailer ask this question? The reality is he was provoked into asking it. Y'all like, what do you mean? First of all, he was provoked into asking this question by fear. Do you got to understand? Roman law said that if prisoners escape under your watch, oh, you got to die because it's your fault they got away. So he was afraid what was going to happen to him if he'd lost the prisoners. So it was the fear of his own punishment and death that drove him to go to Paul and Silas like, how can I get down with y'all? Okay? Friends, everybody that gets saved comes to Jesus by faith. But everybody don't take the same road to get to him. Okay? How you came to Jesus is not the same way somebody else will come to him. So you can't dictate their faith. You can't dictate anything about their walk, their faith journey, I should say. You can't dictate anything about their walk because you don't know how God approached them because God approached them exactly how he needed to. And that's not for you to judge or criticize, okay? Think about Lydia. We read about her a few verses earlier in Acts chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. Look at what it says. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Okay. Now contrast that with the jailer's experience who came to the Lord through a completely different circumstances and reasons. Okay. Completely different. But they both ended up at the same place, wanting to worship the Lord. Because some people may come to him, to him through fear. Like the jailer. Others might come to him just because they're moved by the cross. Like Lydia. So we just thank God for whatever he uses in our lives to awaken us and to bring us to Jesus, either through fear or fulfillment. You need to thank God for whatever he does to bring you to, to Christ. If it was you were motivated by fear, at least you're here now. Now you know you have nothing to be afraid of. Amen? So it was provoked by fear, but it was also provoked by faith. It was a question provoked by faith. Because take note, of how the jailer didn't really take the time after the earthquake to lock everybody back up and lock the door and take inventory and then go address Paul and Silas. No, he he wasn't thinking about that. After that miraculous thing, his first and only thought was about his own salvation. Oh yeah, how do I get saved? Forget these Romans. 
Forget this job. What do I need to do to get down with that? And a lot of people read this story and they might be thinking, oh, he's just trying to save himself. Maybe he was just trying to save his soul. <laughs> How, who are we to judge? Think about it. As he's lying in his bed that night trying to sleep, he's got two men in that prison who are worshiping like it's Sunday morning. Singing, praising. And of course, they're probably singing about Jesus, no doubt. And the promises of Jesus and the word of God. I mean, they're probably singing about all these things. Clearly, this man, this guard heard all of that. There's no way his heart wasn't affected by any of that. And then for the miraculous to happen, so you hear all this, like, man, these dudes are supposed to be sad. They're about to die. They're about to be executed. Why are they singing? I don't get it. And then the miracle happens that goes in their favor. Yeah, that's like a spiritual awakening. He had a spiritual awakening and a physical one. He probably never thought about God before that night. But God used what the jailer saw and what he heard to open his spiritual eyes. See that? I mean, think about it. Paul and Silas had been beaten up and thrown in there. Y'all in here singing and praising God? That definitely, after the miracle happened, would have anybody thinking, oh yeah, I gots to get me some of that. Y'all, we got to understand that God uses both the physical and the spiritual to open people's hearts. The same way he used the physical and the spiritual to open this man's heart to the truth of his need. He does that for us too. You just got to let him. So it was by faith that this jailer came to ask how he too can have some of that same type of disposition. And that's how we should live. Live your life in a way where people look at you and go, man, why are you always so calm and peaceful and happy? I need me some of that. That's your opportunity to point them to Christ. Amen? So we've seen the reason for this question. Why must, what must I do to be saved? Next, let's look at the response to this question. Here's the response to this question. And the response involved a plan. Look at what Paul and him told. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the plan. In other words, Paul and Silas told the jailer that he had to place his faith in Christ and in the work of Christ exclusively. And if he did that, then he'd receive salvation. You have to understand what, who they're talking to here. This guy's a soldier, if you will. He works in a authoritative capacity for the Roman government. If you cross them or do wrong in their sight, they're going to make you pay for it way worse than anything else. So the only thing that would make you not be worried about them is for you to have a faith and a belief in a God that will protect you the same way it protected these two guys. Because you just saw it for yourself. If you're the jailer, right? So for them to say, okay, you got to place your faith in, in him solely and you'll be saved. 
I mean, he don't know much about the message of the gospel at that point, right? That jailer wasn't well-versed in the teaching of Christ. But by accepting this plan, believing in or have faith in Jesus, he lays the groundation, the, the groundwork, excuse me, for salvation. He's laying the groundwork for salvation. And friends, this is the point that so many people miss about just exactly what salvation means. They just can't grasp the fact that people are saved by faith in Christ alone. I mean, sure, people may have an intellectual understanding of the truth and they may believe it in their heads, but they never fully trust it by faith. But being saved, that means trusting Christ exclusively. You don't add anything else to it. Does that make sense? That means that your faith is what activates your intimate relationship with him. And your faith is what triggers his blessings and grace for having had the faith and belief in him. See how that works? Now, of course, you got to stay in your word. got to pray. And you got to follow his precepts. That's so important. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God, meaning you can't have faith if you don't know what the word of God says, meaning you need to read the Bible. That's the Bible telling you to do that. So if you claim you have faith, but you're like, I don't need the Bible, then your faith is is founded in the wrong thing because your faith is supposed to be found in the word. I mean, didn't I just say that in the quote that I quoted the Bible from? That's the point. So, that said, it all starts with your own belief, though. Without that solid belief as your foundation, salvation cannot really happen, okay? Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Y'all, that's us. We're the ones who have not seen him And yet we've believed. And Jesus tells us specifically that we're going to be blessed because of that faith that we have in him, even though none of us have ever seen him and laid eyes on his physical person. But that's the reward for your belief in him. You have never seen Jesus and he's already blessed you through eternity. That deserves a shout of hallelujah. Now from the text, we can further see that the response to this question also involved a promise. Look at what Paul tells the jailer what will happen if he believes in Christ. You will be saved, you and your whole household. Do y'all realize how awesomely amazing the word saved is? Think about it. It means, quote, to be rescued from all harm and danger, to keep safe and sound. And people go, well, what are you being saved from? I never understood that. You're saved. You're saved. What are you saved from? Remember we talked in the last segment about how Peter said last time the world, the, God destroyed the world by flood. Next time it'll be by fire. When the heavenly elements. That's what you're getting saved from. You're getting saved from the judgment that's going to come to this earthly plane Because prayerfully, you'll be raptured with the church 
before that. That's what that means. Someone, you, someone, next time someone says, I'm saved, that's what they're saying. That they believe that when the end comes, they will be raptured and they won't go through the great tribulation. So the promise here is clear. If you believe in and have faith in Jesus, you're saved. Period. And that promise is still good and applicable to us today. We should be thankful that it is. Listen, nobody who has ever trusted Jesus should be afraid of being cast down in the hell, okay? It don't work that way. If your faith is in him, you have his word on your security. John chapter 6, verse 37 to 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in me, believes in him, should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And then what we just said? John chapter 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. John 6, 37, 40 is Jesus saying, Lord, you sent them to me, so I got them now, and when the time comes, They'll be raptured. I'll raise them up on the last day. You can take that to the bank. So that's why we need to be sure that we're in him. Right? So we've seen the reason for the question and we've seen the response to the question. Now coming up in our last segment, we want to explore that final aspect of this million dollar question. And it relates to what happens after the question is asked and answered. Y'all like, huh? Well, come back and find out what that last aspect is all about after we return from the break, y'all. Hey, everybody. CC Eccles here with the One Life Podcast. Join me every Monday at 7 p.m. as we talk about everything that pertains to life. If you need a little encouragement or a little inspiration, then meet me right here every Monday at 7 p.m. You can listen on Google, Apple, Spotify, Breaker, and iHeartRadio. You'll be so happy you tuned in. Ciao, Bella. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your man's Rev Rob, and I am inviting you to join us every week on BMC Radio for our brand new show entitled The Hour of Power. Each week, you'll hear an inspiring word of God from a different preacher. Now, of course, all these episodes will live up to our established standard of providing sound biblical doctrine. But simply go to www.bmc christianradio.com and check out the daily schedule on the homepage to catch the latest episodes of the show. We feature sermons and preachers from all over the globe, each one focused on exegeting the Word of God so that you 
can get a better understanding of the Bible and God's will for your life. So join us every week for the Hour of Power show only on BMC Radio. Go to www.bmcchristianradio.com for more information. Hey, welcome back to Deeper in the Word, where today's episode is entitled The Million Dollar Question. And we're talking about the story of Paul, the Apostle Paul, and Silas, his accomplice, and how they were in jail in the book of Acts, and how the Lord miraculously freed them from that bondage, and in the process, how the Roman jailer that was over them and in charge of them was so amazed by all of this that he instantly asked a million dollar question which was what must I do to be saved in our previous segment y'all we've seen the reason for this question and the response to this question so in our last segment we want to look at the last aspect of this million dollar question and it relates to the results of the question the results of the question. Quite simply, what is the reward for having this faith and belief in Christ? Look at verse 34 of our text. It's really pretty easy, pretty clear cut. The Bible tells us that after he heard the gospel, the jailer believed and was saved. It's just that simple, y'all. See, there's a difference between historical faith and saving faith. And I need for y'all to hear me and understand me clearly here, okay? Historical faith believes the facts of the Bible. But saving faith embraces the Christ of the Bible. Y'all like, wait, huh? Well, think of it this way, y'all. Let's say you're out driving and you come to a bridge across a river, right? When you get to the bridge, you just cross it. You don't know who built it, when it was built. You don't know what the weight limit is. You don't know what kind of grade of materials were used in the construction of that bridge and whether it'll hold you up in your car or not. You just go across that bridge with all the faith in the world, mostly because you assume that all of that I just mentioned was taken care of already, right? Otherwise, the bridge wouldn't be open in the first place. You figure, okay, well, the government, whoever's in charge, the Department of Roads and whatever, I hope they took care of this. We, we assume they took care of this, so I ain't got to worry about this bridge crumbling and collapsing as I drive across it, right? But when it comes to your soul, most people will trust everything to save them except for the one thing that God has already said will do the job. In other words, they don't make that same assumption with their souls even though God has already guaranteed the solution. You assume when you get on a plane, oh, I'm going to land safely. It's about to be lit where I'm landing. Ooh, I'm going to uh, Rio de Janeiro. It's about to be on. You make the assumption that you're going to land, that you're going to fly safely. 
Same thing with the bridge. Oh, I got to go from this city to that. You got to cross this bridge. You make the assumption that the bridge is not going to collapse. You assume that all these things are taken care of already. So how is it that you, you, you don't even have to make that assumption with God. He's already told you in his word, he's taking care of it, but we still don't take him up on it. Like what is wrong with us, man? You see what I'm saying? Please recognize and realize that every plan of salvation in the world has been tried. All of them have failed. Because the only plan of salvation that works is salvation through grace by faith in Christ. Period. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. Don't take it from me. Take it from God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Y'all trust in Jesus and him alone for your soul's salvation, period. Notice what else the result of this question was, okay? It led to service. So we're looking at the results of this question, and we know that the jailer believed and he was saved, and it was just that simple. But this question also led to service as soon as the jailer got saved you can see the change in his life look at verse 24 he had dealt harshly with Paul and Silas and now look at verse uh, Acts chapter 16 verse 24 how he dealt harshly with them thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks the word thrust means to throw or cast a thing without caring about where it falls right he thrust them. Also, the inner prison, that's like the, the deep, dank, dark, innermost part of the prison. It's like the worst part. The prison is bad enough, but it's like that cell that's in the deepest, worst part. He put him in there for the killers. And all. He put him in there for preaching the gospel. Okay, and then put their, lock their feet up. And they in there singing. So this transformation led to him serving. And you can see the change in his life because in verses 33 and 34, after verse 24, he threw him into prison. Verses 33 to 34, he's washing their wounds and he's feeding them from his own table. Y'all see that? In other words, he, just like anyone else who accepts Christ, he's a new creature. And he demonstrates this by being baptized and by serving the men of God. And this, y'all, is the experience of every person who comes to Christ by faith. They become a new creature in him, and they're forever changed by the power that he wields over their life as their Lord and Savior. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you establish that faith in Jesus, there's going to be a new desire to live for God and to be a vessel in his hand for his glory. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. James chapter 2 verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. 
show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. <laughs> Amen to that. Finally, the result of the jailer asking this question, it led to him serving, but it also led to him, led to some degree of satisfaction. Because there's verse 34 tells us that this man rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And as a direct result of asking the question, he ends up filled with joy, happiness, and praise to the Lord. You know why? Because that's what meeting Jesus does to you. You come into the presence of God, you come into the knowledge of who God is, it makes all the difference in your life, it makes you happier, it gives you a sense of fulfillment, and you're filled with a joy that you didn't have before. Facts! Ask anyone who's ever been saved. They went from empty to filled if they're really saved. God transforms through Christ. He transforms the dead into the living, the lost into the found. He transforms the miserable into the joyful. He transforms sinners into saints. And he fills hearts of his believers and his son with peace, joy, and permanent satisfaction. Now I know somebody feel me on this. Now that you walk with the Lord, that curtain of gloom that used to hang over your soul, it opened up and the show started, right? And now you get to bask in his profound joy. I can't be the only one that knows the answer to the million dollar question is joy and faith in the Lord. What must I do to be saved? Believe in him and then you will live happily, more happily than you'll probably ever think you could. So as we close out, y'all, I want to ask, what is the main question that has your attention today? Is it questions about worldly stuff? Is it questions about financial stuff or about your family or things of that nature? Questions about your health. There's a lot of stuff we could have fear and confusion about these days. But I want to encourage you all to ask yourself the most important question of all. If you have not already. And that's what must I do to be saved? Because in our world today, that is the million-dollar question. So what's your answer to that question? You need to embrace the one who provides the correct answer to that question. Because if you do, you'll be well on your way to knowing the answer to the million-dollar question. (laughs) Amen? Hey, listen, thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, on Apple Podcasts, and the iTunes Store, on iHeartRadio, on Amazon Music, on BMC Radio, BMC Radio On Demand, and on the Audible app. Also, don't forget, you can find us on the web, benevolentfaithministry.org. Log on now and learn more about our giving partnerships and how you can be the church without the need for any building. 
And don't forget to log on this and every Tuesday night, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, 4 Pacific, for our Tuesday night online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church, create a screen nickname, chat along with us, and listen, thanks so much for joining us. God willing, we'll catch y'all next time. Holla.